Hey everybody, I'm Lori Boyer, and welcome to Unboxing Logistics, the fun, amazing, and so interesting podcast, if I say so myself, from Easy Post. I am really excited to have you back today, as always. We've got a really cool topic and an amazing guest. I'm really thrilled to have John Campo here with us. I'm going to have him introduce himself in just a minute, so don't, don't get too crazy. Um, he is going to tell you who he is. But before that, I wanted to let you know, you may notice we're in a little bit of a different venue today. We are actually at Easy Post today having our sales kickoff event for 2024. So we are, we've gone on the road, unboxing logistics on site here at our sales kickoff event. And it has been so fun today to learn about all the cool product updates and all the exciting things planned here at Easy Post. But without further ado, I want to introduce John Campo. He is an absolute guru, expert. He is a mentor in the industry for people like me. Um, he's just been telling me amazing stories of his life and how long he's been in this industry. And he's going to talk to us about the trends he's seeing. And we're going to talk about the differences from the past to today and really what you should be paying attention to in 2024. If anybody knows it, it's John. So John, introduce yourself to our community. Well, thank you, Lori. Yeah, I'm John Campo. I'm the Vice President of Government and Carrier Relations for Easy Post. I'm uh, domiciled in Washington, D.C., and I represent Easy Post's interests in all things Washington. All things Washington. You guys know it. It's, it's where we got to get all the work done. It's where he makes sure that our interests are taken care of in the logistics industry. So, John, how long have you been in the industry? I've been in the industry uh, 38 years. 38 yeah. years. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about your journey in the industry. Well, the journey started uh, in San Diego, California okay. in 1985, uh, working in the sales end of uh, the, the logistics space. Cool. Pursued a 25-year career with a Fortune 500 company doing that. Uh, transitioned over to the software side. Uh, with the PC postage industry, uh -huh. and then about four and a half years ago, joined Easy Post. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you mentioned the very beginning and all these years ago, because one of the fun things we like to do is to get to know our guests a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so in season two here, I've been asking all of our guests the same two questions. Okay. So question number one is, what were you like, John, in high school? I would be, uh, I would describe myself as a student athlete. Okay. okay. All right. Awesome. Yeah. What sport or sports? Sports. Actually, it was soccer and baseball. Okay. Positions? I was a pitcher in baseball. Oh, nice. And a fullback in soccer. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So you were a student athlete. What What were your grades like? Were you? Um, I would say a stretch was about 3.4. Okay. So I, <laughs> okay. I, I wasn't at the top, you were not busy, at the bottom. So... Yeah, that's right. And were you uh, obedient? Oh, yes, mother, father. Were you pushing the boundaries? What, uh, what was your personality like? My personality was probably shaped by my birth order. I'm the oldest of okay. five. My mother is as well. Yeah. So I was maybe a little less rule abiding than I should have been. <laughs> so. You're like, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So that's so fun. I love it. Okay, question number two. If you won the lottery today, how would your life look different? You know, interestingly enough, I would continue on doing what I'm doing because mm -hmm. I love the job that I have. It really, it's very rewarding. 
I think uh, how it might look slightly different is a living in a more rural part of the country that was a little warmer with a little more acreage (laughs) and a few dogs. Okay. Wow. Would you like to work on the acreage yourself? Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's so great, John. Okay. Really interesting. You know, if you're in my community, if you're some of our faithful followers out there, I have two guests this year that I have asked um, to share just about kind of, they're, they're such experts in the industry that I've wanted to know what their predictions, not predictions, but what trends they think we need to look for. That would be you, John, that we're okay. going to discuss. And I also asked Dr. Chris Kaplis from MIT. He's the head of supply chain at MIT. Mm-hmm. You two both said your lives would not change with the lottery. That's the only two people who have said that. Really? So wow. go become an expert. <laughs> be that person. And apparently, you know, you've got it set. So that's yeah. incredible. I love it. Cool. Okay. So let's dive into that then. Um, John. What do you feel like? So one of the things I like to do, one of the things that's really important for us here at Unboxing Mm -hmm. Logistics is that when people watch or listen or however they partake at the show, um, that they come away with a couple of ideas, Mm -hmm. like key takeaways that if they just stop listening, what's one thing they could do today? Um, One thing they should know today, something that's important. So I'm wondering if you have a couple of takeaways. We're going to start with that and then we'll back up and and go over all the things, um, questions, dive into what you think are trends and whatnot. What are maybe two things that you feel like if somebody listened today and only remembered one or two things, what are those things that you would want them to come away with? Well, I think the first one is that uh, logistics can be seen as a commoditized business but in order to successfully compete in that in this space, the uh, the use of data and data analytics is absolutely critical. And in in the old days, it was tracking and tracing, and that was about it. Now the data analytics is much more precise, much more rifle shot in its uh, application. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. I so agree with you on this point. And of course, I'm a little bit biased because I'm kind of a data nerd. I love data. But, you know, the industry's been around for so long, and in some ways it's a little slow in ado- adapting to things, but in this business, everything is by the second, by the, um, you know, how many packages, and there's big changes with that, and so yeah. I love that. Data can make a giant difference yeah. with one penny here. That's right. With one second there. Yeah. And so I love that. Okay, anything else? Yeah, I think the second one would be reliability. Because every single package that's processed through Easy Post or anyone else uh, represents goods and services that, that is vital to the company that's shipping it. Mm-hmm. So I think that a, ro- a robust uptime of any system that supports that ecosystem of logistics is really important. Okay. I love that because it's like a combination almost. We have the data, which is almost like forward thinking and moving into the next, you know, iteration of the industry Mm -hmm. and we've got reliability which is kind of like keep your foundation strong make sure that while you're you know experimenting and doing cool things that you're still keeping that solid foundation of reliability wherever Mm -hmm. it is so that is awesome um let's talk then a little bit about and we can jump back to that but tell me a little bit about what trends you think are impacting the industry the most through 2024. Okay. I think there are a couple of trends. Um, One of them is uh, recently the carriers uh, nationally have gone through some labor discord. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there was a a threatened labor action by Mm -hmm. one of the largest uh, carriers uh, unions. 
and then there's also, you know, pilots have concerns in that space. So I think what it did, and thank goodness these labor actions did not take place. Yes. They were avoided. Yes. But I think what it did is it caused uh, shippers to say, hey, you know, I can't have a one-trick pony. I have to have a multi-carrier mm-hmm. system that will support me just in case there are disruptions, whether they're labor-based or they're weather-based or, you know. Or geopolitical. Or geopolitically based. Right, we've been seeing that over in the Red Sea and all the challenges there recently. So absolutely, I would agree with that completely. I last year spoke with a few different shippers who had kind of put all their eggs in one basket and um, had had run into fears and trouble. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of that I feel like also happened during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel like maybe this is, is it, is it just continuing to evolving? Do you think we're going to continue to need more and more multiple carriers? What are the pros and cons of multi-carrier, I guess, versus single? Actually, I think uh, the tailwinds that COVID provided the shipping industry, mm-hmm. they've diminished. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, so the, uh, you know, COVID is not what it was. It's just right. understood and controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so I think However, during that time, there was massive overinvestment. And there were, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry wanted to get into the logistics business. Yes. And, and so I think there's actually going to be a, uh, a more of a consolidation in the business mm. so that the strong ones, the ones with discipline, they'll survive and they'll thrive. And they'll thrive. Yeah. So there you go. You heard yeah. it here from John. Let's talk a little bit back about the data. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's interesting that that was like your takeaway number one. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel like maybe how is data different today than 10 years ago even or 20 years ago Um, and and why is it emerging as such an important trend right now well i go back 20 years and data was simply in the e-commerce space having the confidence that you could securely use a credit card to buy a product on the internet okay so kind of consumer confidence consumer confidence absolutely Then it became uh, layered onto that was tracking your package. It was, okay, I let go of the money via a credit card transaction, but now I'm waiting for the product to be sent to me. And it's important. So where is it? And when can I expect it? So that was the nascent, you know, the beginning of track and trace Mm -hmm. and and customers' interest in that. Where Where I see it going, though, Lori, is... It's going into more, instead of a pull where a customer has to go onto a website and say, where's my package? Mm-hmm. I think the data is now going to be pushed out to the, the, the shipper or the customer saying automatically. automatically. So it, it's uh, much more proactive. Okay. So what kind of ratio do you feel like people, uh, and I'd be interested to hear from you guys here, welcome to comment, but how many people are, are already doing that kind of push um, in terms of notification, like I recently had a package that I had purchased internationally. Mm-hmm. So there's always a little bit of an extra challenge there. Right. And I, it disappeared. <laughs> Not unusual. <laughs> yeah. And it reappeared a few right. weeks later, you know, but, right. um, I would have loved maybe some of those push, even with the poll, it was just sort of in the dark out there. Um, is this something where you feel like, most people are doing it or is it one where most people still need to adopt it i think it depends on what the pack what the contents of the package are okay if it's if it's what i would call a something of passive interest like a sweater that you ordered Mm -hmm. and if it gets here in 10 days okay 
If it's something that's uh, more actively interesting to the uh, receipt recipient, something like uh, important medicines, important electronic products, important legal documents, I think those are uh, those are ones where the customer would very much appreciate notifications mm. without having to remember to look. Mm. So that's really interesting. That's a great point, you guys. When when you're looking at notifications, the more valuable, the more urgent, obviously then the more important it is that you're looking yeah. at that kind of data. Um, what, how else is data used? Well, I think on that same theme, mm. I think it can be used in a really uh, decent marketing way to mm. build confidence in the brand. Mm. So uh, as an example, if I were to order an Apple Watch, an, uh, an Apple Watch, uh, that's an expensive product. Yeah. It may be important if I'm running a marathon the upcoming weekend, I want to get it so I can use yes. it. And if if, if the shipper, i.e. Apple, mm -hmm. were to go ahead and, and say, hey, it was shipped on Monday. It's now in Indiana. Okay. It will be delivered on Thursday in the afternoon after 4 o'clock. Then I have a level of confidence that I'm going to get what I paid for and when I need it. That makes a ton of sense. I can totally get that. I recently went through a move myself. Yeah. And so it was really the, the accuracy of when things were arriving was really important to me because we purchased our house, but we weren't arriving till a certain time. So right. we actually had a few things arrive early, mm -hmm. which became a big problem for me because they were valuable and sitting on my porch for several days. So, um, that kind of brings me to the idea of porch piracy and, and some of those kind of issues. Is that, are, are there, what are the risks for carriers as well as for suppliers when it comes to kind of that accuracy and reliability of delivery? Well, on the, on the issue of porch piracy, it's mm -hmm. a very real problem. Yeah. You know, it's an endemic problem uh, at times. I think that uh, technology, though, does provide some answers here. Okay. And one of the most expensive things that a carrier can uh, experience is what's it's known by an acronym, FFA. It's a failed first attempt. Failed first attempt okay, to at deliver. deliver okay. at, at delivery. So that's, issue, that's one issue. The second issue is you do deliver a product, it's on the porch, and it gets stolen. Okay, so let's back up. What, yeah. what would cause a failed first attempt? If a uh, product was uh, delivered or attempted okay. to be delivered and it required a signature. And required a signature. Uh, okay. Or it re required an adult signature. Mm -hmm. It could be something mm -hmm. of uh, that nature. Right. Uh, then it really what the carrier has to do is leave a sticker on the door mm -hmm. and then the the responsibility falls upon the recipient to go to some industrial park and pick up a, uh, a product at, yes. at a uh, facility, usually a warehouse facility. It's usually not that convenient. No. Or, Doesn't or, create a great customer no. experience. Or, or, you know, to the carrier's benefit too, the carrier may keep it and uh, attempt a second delivery, okay. which is very expensive mm -hmm. because it's not in the original line of travel of the mm -hmm. delivery on the first day. So, to your point, uh, if if the delivery can be made to be as exact and precise as possible using data, yes. then the customer wins, the carrier wins, the merchant wins, and it keeps costs down. Okay. And there's several yes. ways that that can happen. Um, we can now uh, do things like uh, an intermediary message. For example, I'm in a 
I'm in a uh, facility in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. If I needed a computer, my computer delivered uh, to me, I had a, and I originally asked for it to be delivered at my home in Virginia, I realized I'm going to be working here for a few days. If I can utilize technology to reroute that product and have it delivered to a ho- the hotel where the conference mm. is, then I get my product, it gets securely delivered, and uh, you know the, the whole chain of custody is maintained by data, but it doesn't sit on a porch unattended yes. uh, like perhaps yours did at your new home. Yes. I have to say, and this is just a side story too, mm-hmm. but I also had this experience. <laughs> so I received so many packages that are, you know, you move into a new house, there's new furniture, whatever you need to get. Right. I got in my mailbox a little card that said like, oh, we missed you. We need, you know, you've got a package waiting. Call this number. We can reschedule it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I'll just run down. It said it was the USPS. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll just run down to the USPS, pick it up. So I go down. I waited in line forever because it was right before Christmas. I get up and they told me it was a scam. I didn't even know. So warning out there for some of you, carriers, everyone alike, they said they're seeing this more and more. They're trying to get people to call that phone number Uh and then they'll set something up and somehow get all your info. So there's so many ways out there with porch piracy and, but the more visibility you have into it, because I had no idea what the package we even was, but because again, it was the holiday time, lots of people would have been getting packages. Um, There's just a lot to be aware of, but visibility. Yeah, visibility is one and choice of delivery points is another. Okay. And I, w- I would look at, you know, you mentioned an international package. Well, mm-hmm. in the international uh, market space, the use of lockers, parcel lockers, is very, very common mm-hmm. through, throughout, uh, you know, all of, all of Europe. Yeah. In the United States, it's not so prevalent, but it is becoming more and more common. Uh, okay. One of the big uh, Seattle-based uh, e-commerce retailers, Amazon, has uh-huh. seen that they're... They put in lockers around uh, the country in various apartment buildings where mm. it ma- it's, makes it easier for the package to get delivered. Yes. Okay. The Postal Service is actually looking at rolling out a network of uh, parcel delivery lockers that have, uh, they're, they'll be located in uh, USPS facilities but they'll have 24-7 access. And instead of just a little P.O. box that can take a letter or an envelope, it'll be a much larger uh, box that can be accessible uh, via a code. Oh, neat. That's really great. Yeah, Yeah, I've noticed that on certain packages with Amazon, even with somebody else I used recently where I got the notification Mm -hmm. that said, you can choose to come pick it up at the locker or we'll deliver it tomorrow. And I was like, wow, that seems pretty cool. That's great, USPS. And in in today's world, you know, there's a lot of dual income families Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, you're not always home at the same time. And I I think, and in particular, if it's a valuable product, what we call a high-touch, high-value product, like Mm -hmm. a piece of jewelry, a watch, uh, pharmaceuticals, things of that nature, what better place to deliver it to than uh, a locker that is secure? Only you have the the code that can open it. And in in the Postal Service's uh, world, it's on a a piece of federal property, which doesn't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Are there other alternative kind of delivery solutions out there? Yeah, I think that uh, the other places that, you know, you can have it rerouted, like I mentioned, from a your home to, for example, a hotel if you're traveling, okay, okay or to a, uh, a locker uh, facility that is either owned by, usually it's owned by the carrier, 
which is good. Uh, or there are some uh, third-party uh, locations that might not, not necessarily be a locker, but be a secure place. Think of like a 7-Eleven oh, okay, that, that yeah. is contracted mm-hmm. with a carrier or a pharmacy like a Kroger's, mm-hmm. someone uh, where it's a trusted entity. It has eyes on all the time, usually a camera around it, and it's a safe and convenient place for a customer to pick up a package. Okay, that's great. So let's say that you're an e-commerce business or mm-hmm. something out there, um, and you're thinking like, okay, maybe I should be offering some of this. Do they do it through their carrier? Is it through a certain technology? You know, How do they say like, okay, I want to select the option that my customers can have it picked up at a locker? Yeah. Well, it's all done online. And mm-hmm. it's all done via APIs. Okay. So it's a it's easy to do, easy to implement. I think the challenge is standing up the actual physical attributes of locker systems. They're not inexpensive, yeah. but over time they save a, a ton of money and provide a ton of convenience for uh, for users. For different users, yeah. that's great. Um, so when we're talking tech, mm-hmm. so we talked about data earlier. What do you feel like are the most important kind of elements of a business's tech stack. So I've talked to a bunch of even EasyPost customers and mm-hmm. different people, and they kind of have a variety of, you know, are they using their OMS or their WMS? Or their, what, what do you feel like, where should they be going, I guess, to access their data? What, what are the most important elements of that? Well, I mentioned reliability, mm-hmm. and that's having access to the access of your data. That's really important, and EasyPost is one of the uh, proud points of working for EasyPost is how much we've invested in the actual scalability and robustness mm-hmm. of the architecture of our system. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so obviously using a shipping software or something like that, being able to get access to that data and then using the data itself to make those predictions. Right, and, and there I go into the world of analytics mm-hmm. because not all uh, in, in the shipping world, where you where and how you ship a package is often called the swim lane mm-hmm. of one zip code origin to one zip code destination. Okay. And there are certain swim lanes for packages that are highly efficient. Ones that might go from Chicago, Illinois to Dallas, Texas. Okay. Highly okay. efficient. There's other swim lanes though that may be because of geography yeah, or right. weather patterns or what have you that are less efficient. Okay. So understanding time and transit, that's really, really important. Mm. And where I circle back to why is it really important, a lot of e-commerce merchants and a lot of uh, people that make a living selling mm-hmm. on you know, e-commerce mm-hmm. platforms, they're rated by how well, you know, yes. how well they perform. Yes. And part of that performance is how well they pick, pack, and fill an order and get it into the system mm-hmm. on the intro side then it's out of their control when a carrier is using it. So understanding carrier's performance, utilizing time and transit data is really critical. Yeah, and I just have to say, it's not very fair for you if you're shipping, but even when it's out of their hands, the customer still kind of blames the company um, that that they bought from mm-hmm. versus the carrier if yeah. it's delayed or something. So keeping yeah. an eye on that data well, I've, I've always felt that data is the coin of the realm, and it helps everybody. It's, mm-hmm. it's a richness and robust offering uh, that, if properly executed upon, will allow... Look, there's always going to be mistakes in mm-hmm. logistics. It's not a perfect world. Mm-hmm. But if it's a world you have confidence in, then you can understand, oh, 
there was a hurricane in the Gulf area. I understand why my product was yes. perhaps held for delivery in Atlanta and not brought down to Miami where it would be at risk. So, but understanding those data points can actually bring peace of mind to the recipient, the consumer, mm. and also bolster the reputation of the carrier and also of the merchant. And it goes back to the point you made earlier about like kind of those push notifications, yeah. that if you're sending those out That's and right. saying, hey, this is delayed, and, and you can even probably put in delayed due to weather or whatever, mm -hmm. and um, really interesting studies that show that kind of transparency and visibility can significantly reduce the you know level with which people will rate right. something poorly, yeah. even though it was still delayed. They right. do understand. We're not yeah. completely no, irrational, no. just a little bit no. irrational. Well, all of, us, all of us fly as part mm -hmm. of our jobs. Mm -hmm. And I, I always point people to a, one of my favorite websites. It's called flightaware.com. Okay. And you can, you can actually look, uh, look it up and look up a flight that you're about to take, and you can see the last roughly 30 days history of the performance of that airline on that flight, on that, and that swim lane. Let's say it's from Washington, D.C. to L.A. Yes. You can see, oh, well, that flight at 7 o'clock in the morning has a 98% on-time arrival. You can look at others and perhaps some rural ones that have to deal with mountains and deserts and uh, wind, you know, at various things that can get in the way of flying. And you can see that, oh, this one's almost always late. Okay, mm -hmm. so what it does is it can manage your business decisions as yes. a traveler, but you can port that same experience into shipping. Yes. Because essentially when you're flying an airplane, you're shipping you. Yes, right? exactly. So, exactly. That's right. No, I love that. And it reminds me, data, it kind of in a way goes back to like your reliability piece as mm -hmm. well. We use the data. You know, I may have people out there saying, well, how do I know that I'm getting a reliable vendor? How do mm -hmm. I make sure that my supplier is reliable? How do... And that's going to come back to the data as well. It's the True. same way when we're looking at our, our flight paths and whatnot, if it's going to arrive on time. But there is data out there to let you know so that you can also let customers know. You know, that maybe your package isn't going to be able to make it in this time or there's a chance that it's going to be late. Um, I know that some of the cool data things recently, we were talking about porch piracy earlier, mm -hmm. have even started predicting the areas that get the highest levels of porch piracy. You know, some neighborhoods, some apartment buildings, yep. some cities have really high levels compared to others. And so there's a risk and you may then want to yeah. tell your uh, customer, hey, you may want to go to a locker. Right. Right. And that's precisely so. It's almost combining actuarial data, like from an insurance uh, claims business. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Taking actuarial data about um, the possibility of theft or loss or damage, and then merging that into the uh, what the carriers offer uh, as a uh, choice. And again, customers never lose when they have a choice. And I think that also allows carriers and e-commerce platforms to manage expectations. Yes, yeah. and that whole post-purchase experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, it becomes yeah. so important. There are um, tools out there that you can use to offer package protection, to offer insurance, to offer, and again, it can be the choice of a customer. And as John said so well, when they have the choice, it's kind of like they've taken the risk and they've made the decision whether or not they wanted to to keep an eye on that, and, and it just, improves your reputation with your own customer base. So yeah. I think that that's fantastic. Okay, 
John, I want to hear a little bit about how you've seen the industry change since you started day one, <laughs> fresh young little Johnny, Yeah. all the way to today. Um, what are the things that have been most exciting for you, most surprising? Um, just what are the biggest changes? I think the, uh, the biggest change is I, I began my career in an analog world. Yes. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and it was a world prior to Amazon and prior to eBay and prior to the use of the internet to yes. con- conduct commerce. I mean, it was virtually the DARPA net at, back in those days. And so when I began my career, it was selling hardware with some mo- moderate components uh, that included software. Okay. And then, like you said, the logistics side of the business, mailing and shipping, was a little slow. Mm-hmm. It's a fractured business. It is a really fractured business. Or a fractured marketplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a little slow to uh, adopt you know, any kind of true standards and yes. uh, true best practices. So it was a little bit piecemeal. And then along came 1999, 1998, and PC postage came about. Okay. And that was perfect timing because... PC postage began as really just something to either replace postage meters or to put, you know, a little um, a little stamp processing machine, you know, yes. on a secretary's desk or an administrator's so desk. So if, if we have any of our audience there who don't know what PC postage is, I assume you guys do. But ah. will you explain it just so that they do know? Okay. It's, it is uh, simply... Um, it's an offering that uh, that we have, Easy Post has, mm-hmm. and several other vendors provide, mm-hmm. and it allows uh, users of the software to print U.S. live U.S. postage yes. on a four, on a four by six label that goes on a package, and it has various data attributes that yes. we're required to uh, to include, and uh, it works Perfect. well. And they can just print it yep. at your own place. Mm-hmm. You're not going down to the post office right. anymore to sell all your stuff. Right. So, okay. Yep. So, PC postage comes along mm-hmm. around, um, around the millennium. 19, yeah, around 1998, 1999. And it originally came about, uh, you know, to, for letter mail. Uh, oh, to, to, interesting. So, but what happened, and a lot of this uh, innovation came out of uh, Silicon Valley. And it was people who said, oh, there's got to be a better way. You know, you mentioned going to the post office and standing uh, in line. Forever. Okay. For a scam. (laughs) Well, unfortunately there. But what's really happened is that, again, it's choice. Mm -hmm. It it let the private sector provide good digital technology that gave um, customers and merchants and platforms the ability to uh, print postage, or also uh, in, in, embed that same technology in a multi-carrier platform mm-hmm. so that customers, again, had a choice. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. once that gets in, what you know, what, what changes then do you see then over the last 25 years? I would say um, I would go back to speed. You know, speed. back in the day when AOL existed, uh, as a, I remember those days, yeah, John, right. but it's embarrassing and, me. And, so. you, and, and you, you would hit send and you'd get the little beach ball that would yeah. go around and around. I, I would say speed and reliability has really dovetailed nicely with uh, the technical abilities of firms like Easy Post and other e-commerce providers. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So speed and reliability, and mm-hmm. those seem to be kind of our theme, speed in terms of technology and data and making sure that you are using everything to optimize to the nth degree, um, but reliability, keeping that strong focus. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, I think that we are just about out of time, but 
do you have any final words, anything you want to share? Or is there any way, are you on LinkedIn or something where people could connect with you if they want to follow you? Sure. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. I, I don't have a broad digital footprint, but that's by design. <laughs> but, I, I know uh, how that sure, is. Sure. Look me up on LinkedIn. Great. Right. Look up John Campo on LinkedIn. Um, it's been so great having him here. Again, please remember, I love his takeaways from today. Please take advantage of data. You have it. You have it with you. You have it in your systems right now. And even if you're a small business, even if you're the largest business out there, there are always ways that you can improve just a little bit more. Pick one thing in your data that maybe you're gonna try to take advantage of and then test it out, pick another thing. And then I really, really, really appreciated your reminder about reliability mm -hmm. because we can get really stuck on the exciting, shiny new data and technology and everything else and kind of forget to make sure that you're keeping the core safe because no matter how cool and, and amazing and awesome something new may be, if you don't have that reliability, if everything goes down, you're going to be in big trouble. So right. fantastic call outs. 2024 is going to be the year of data and year of reliability. Thank you so much for being here today. It has been fantastic as always. We cannot wait to have you next time. And John, just thank you so much for being here. It has been just an absolute honor to have you. Well, thank you very much. I'm humbled by your uh, description of my career and it was very enjoyable. Thanks, Lori. Thanks so much. We'll see you guys next time.